0: Full of frank, I dreamt that I Was with the devil below In his great fiery hall Where the devil Was giving a ball I checked my coat and hat And started gazing at the merry Crowd who came to Witness the
1: show, and I must Confess to you There were many there I Knew Hello, at hi. the ball, At the devil's ball At
2: the devil's ball Hello! And welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. So I'm Victoria.
0: I'm Jamin. I'm Jacob.
2: <laughs> Jamin has green eyebrows, for those of you ha- at home who cannot see his eyebrows, and he- I think they're for St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Irish Day! That's close. Um oh. <laughs> So this is part 1 of our two part series of the Celtic under well other worlds and potentially underworlds and above worlds and worlds that are right there within your grasp if only you had an apple. An apple? An apple. An
1: apple. That's different. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that one.
2: Yeah, apples, spools of thread.
1: Very similar.
2: An invitation So, yeah, there's a gazillion ways to get there.
1: This is definitely the tradition where hell is just kind of over there somewhere.
2: Yeah, roughly. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: If there's a
1: gazillion ways to get there, is it easy to get there
0: or hard?
2: Some places are easy. Some places are hard. Depends on if you're Welsh or Irish.
0: Yeah.
1: Just like real life. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) It's a lot like a game of Mornington Crescent if you're in Britain.
2: (laughs) Immigration's much easier for certain people. So before we get into the depths of the Celtic world, did anybody bring anything to this pre Saint Patrick's Day party? What oh, ice cream? Oh, <gasps> I love ice cream.
0: What flavor? Constant comment.
2: Constant comments like the tea, yeah. coffee, coffee tea. What tea? Uh, the, the tea. The international. Oh yes, yes, yes. So I was
0: I was brewing tea at work, and I was like, I really like this stuff. It's it's got flavors and orange stuffies in it, right?
2: You were constantly commenting on it.
0: Yeah, I basically was. I was sipping and slurping.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I actually had an argument with my British boss about whether you put the tea bag in the mug before you pour the water, or you pour the water and put the tea bag in. We both lost.
2: Which one are you? Water first. Weird. I'm a tea bag first.
0: And then you then you dunk it. Mm. But we were talking about green tea ice cream, like matcha ice cream. Oh, so good. Yeah. Right, so good. And we were talking about this, and I'm looking down at my mug, and I'm just like, what would happen if you made constant comment ice cream?
2: <sighs>
0: or like an Earl Grey sorbet.
2: I would, I, Earl Grey is my favorite. The smell of Earl Grey is my favorite smell. Yeah.
1: yeah. The uh, Bigelow Tea Blog does have a number of ice cream recipes. I used all of them. Oh. Yeah. One wow. scoop, two scoop, have more.
2: This is delicious.
1: Insert bowl clinking Foley <laughs> here. <laughs> clink. Clink. <laughs> Well mm-hmm. I brought some entertainment. Oh I think the randomizer choked today. Being put on a leash made of red hot flaming chains alongside stinking raw hided hounds and throttled by an unspeakable throng of demons while being thrown up to the sky and dropped into the abyss every alternate hour alongside imposters, false prophets, and the children of priests while the blessed watch.
2: <laughs> I think I think it outdid itself that day.
1: Yes. Is there not a limit? Like, can you not say, please stop? I, I don't know.
2: Consent is is not something that the algorithm yeah. understands. No,
1: a lot of the sub clauses have like little exploding modifiers. They can go up to one, two or three and it just went kind of crazy.
2: Wow. I was going to say, so there was something in there that stood out. Oh, for a minute, I thought you were going to say flaming hot Cheetos. And I got super uh, excited. Flaming I hot to the,
0: Cheetos. The raw-hided hounds.
2: Yeah. What is a rawhide? Sorry, does that mean there's?
0: Yeah, like the dogs, dogs
1: like eating rawhide. Maybe they're kind they of have, <laughs> like scabby.
2: They keep oh, their themselves. Oh, hides
1: are raw. Yes.
2: Raw-hided. Okay.
1: Yes. Rollin' rollin'
0: rollin'. <laughs>
2: raw-hide. That was my whip impersonation, by the way. Yes,
0: whip-foley. Perfect. <laughs> you, you can download our voice pack on our website.
2: <laughs> I yeah, can we be should-
0: your
1: ringtone. <laughs>
2: We should totally.
1: Hey, hey, hey.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just you making disapproving noises. (laughs) Caron,
1: Caron, Caron.
2: Oh, it could just be us all mispronouncing the Italian song.
1: (laughs) There is so much to mispronounce today, as well. (laughs) Bold new vistas of unpronounceability.
2: I, luckily, I have learned enough Irish to mispronounce things. Convincingly? Uh Uh-huh. So so that should be fun.
1: (laughs) Before we start mispronouncing, I do have some hell news.
2: Yes, please.
1: And this is a Dispatches exclusive. A Mormon database lists God as deceased. Finally. Yes.
2: Been wondering about that.
1: So I went on some deep, quote, research, unquote. Uh, Instead of working, I spent like four hours playing with the Mormon genealogical database and found out that if you go back far enough, virtually everybody is related to King David. That made me happy. But if you go about 140 begats over him, you start getting to Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and an archangel, and Adam and Eve. And above Adam and Eve is Heavenly Father deceased.
2: <laughs> so,
1: yeah, in, in, in parents, deceased. Yes, and Heavenly Mother deceased as well. Now, There are two possible reasons for this. One is that the database has two flags, and if you're listed as living, nobody can see you.
2: So the Ah, entire
1: hierarchy might be like thrown out of whack if he was alive. Uh Secondly, my Mormon neighbor points out that actually there's some theological significance here too, because everybody, including Heavenly Father, is on a trajectory upwards and leaving this mortal coil to go to a higher level. So in a sense, he might actually be deceased.
2: I don't know if I get
1: that. Not entirely a stretch.
2: Okay.
1: It's a great chain of being thing, I think.
2: Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Right. Okay.
1: I found a new webcomic, or an old webcomic. It's been around since 2014, but I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. It's called Kill Six Billion Demons. Oh, I've never heard of this. It's It's fun. The art mm-hmm. is really high quality. It kind of has an underground weird look to it. It also seems to be heavily influenced by Barlow's Inferno, which I love that book. I don't know if I've shared it with you or not, but it's got a lot of weird distortions and like this one author, this one artist's kind of vision of hell—very strange stuff. And you can see a lot of echoes in it in the text and and, in the text and the art. And it's it's absolutely referencing it because there's some stuff that's unique to Barlow that, that this artist picks up. But it's a fun webcomic series. I'm only in like 2014 at this point. The main character has got some sort of like portal to hell pressed into her forehead and stuck there in the form of a little shining gem and just navigate all this extra craziness. It's pretty well done.
2: That sounds cool. It was. I never, yeah. I know you'll share the link.
1: Kill six billion demons. Dot com.
2: <laughs> dot org.
1: It's dot com.
2: <laughs> That's from Homestar Runner.
0: <laughs> Homestar. I'm so glad you know that.
2: <laughs> I quote Homestar Runner somebody from HomeStar run I like every single day. Oh. So we'll have to work some more HomeStar into the into the podcast. You know, I never got to say what I was drinking. No. Oh yeah. Or what, what I, I was, put- I'm sharing with y'all now is just just some whiskey, just some good old Irish whiskey. Actually, the best brand of whiskey. I think it's the original the the oldest whiskey like
0: you're gonna say
2: whiskey. Huh? Are you
0: going to say Jemisin? whiskey. Are you going to say Jemison? No.
2: It's one you probably don't know. Powers. It's my favorite whiskey.
0: Powers whiskey.
2: Powers whiskey is delicious. I'm drinking it right now. And it is the favorite whiskey of one of the authors that I wrote my dissertation about, Flan O'Brien. That's how I started drinking it. It's very smooth.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. I bet whiskey and ice cream would go delicious. I'm sure oh, yeah. it
2: would. Oh, have you ever made a, a whiskey milkshake?
1: We could make whiskey constant comment milkshakes.
2: Yes, we totally should. Mm-hmm.
1: Whiskey Earl Grey sounds strange. Also no. like a cultural no. clash.
2: It's really oh. good with like vanilla ice cream, but I bet the constant mm-hmm. comment
0: would be delicious. Mm-hmm. Coffee ice cream.
2: Okay, so since so? It- <laughs> so let's get down to business. So, as it is uh, nearing St. Patrick's Day, I wanted to teach y'all a little bit of Irish Gaelic. Oh, boy. Some Irish Gaelic. It's super fun. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll send you how to spell these <laughs> later. But, how many Ls? Um, <laughs> it's not, there's fewer Ls than Welsh. A lot more Hs and Ds and B Hs, M Hs, that kind of thing. So, do you want to know how to say hello? Ooh. Yes. Geo which?
1: Geo which? Geo Geo
2: And if I were to say to you, Geo witch you would say back to me, Geo witch
1: which is more hello?
2: <laughs> Even more hello. I've helloed you more.
1: Hmm hmm mm hmm.
2: Good, good, good. Did you, did you just listen to that online? <laughs> no, I,
0: I, you said it to me, and I was waiting for you to reply back to me.
2: G.S. Ah! And so that means... And now we drink. Uh, so G.S. which means uh, God be with you, and G.S. means God's mother be with you.
1: Oh, neat. I like that. I'm still not, I'm not playing your games. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so if you, if you want to know how somebody is, you say Konestatu.
1: Konestatu?
2: Goma. go to mahaget.
1: Oh, okay. So that's how
2: you say, I'm good. Thank you very much. Goma. go to Mahagit. Mm, there we go. Me go. Oh, Tamegoma.
0: I may have accidentally spent a bit of time on Irish Duolingo this week.
2: It's very preparing,
0: fun. Preparing for your evils.
2: It's fun. It's fun. And um, so this is one that I typically teach everybody because it is both completely useful and completely useless, okay? So, tamishasasta, anwaltusasasta.
1: Tamishasasta, anwaltusasasta. I lost it.
2: Close. Tamishasasta, anwaltusasasta.
1: Anwaltusasasta?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: My accent is terrible, I know.
2: That's okay. That's okay. And that means, I am satisfied. Are you satisfied? Hmm. I actually learned that in... um. In an Irish uh, little cassette tape lesson, I guess it's a very useful phrase. And then you can also say, Sasta anish." I'm satisfied now. Okay. Might be useful. So here's the big one that I just learned: an cat." Oh wait, let me start that again. on cot too" on divil cat."
0: Oh this is, this is your
2: tattoo. This is my new ta- my new neck tattoo. Yeah, this is
0: the, the you've got you this like tattoo around your neck.
2: Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I got that in that kind of Celtic font. You know, "Gonithion cat is Gonithion devil uncat. May the cat eat you, and may the devil eat the cat."
1: Yes. This is a That's... curse or kind of a whimsical thing. I. It's Irish nah. for "get wrecked, lad." Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah, it can be anything you want it to be. So it's a, it's you guys did really
0: well. I told it to my girlfriend last week, and now I'm single.
1: That <laughs> was five minute relationships.
2: <laughs> so, uh, well, there'll be a quiz later, um, just so you know. So that was. I hope that was as much fun for you as it was for me. I could tell by your faces. <laughs>
1: That's the way my face yes. always looks.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm shocked, it
1: is. shocked, and dismayed.
2: Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so now that we uh, have know a little bit about the Irish language, uh, <laughs> <laughs> very little bit.
0: Un poquito. <laughs> Polyglot.
2: Poly- yeah, we are polyglots. We're totally poly. Uh, I'm just a glot. So, <laughs> so, who do you guys know? All, who? Where the Celts came from?
1: Celtia. From like the northy of Germany, kind of descending downwards and filtering through a slightly better climate.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, and and most of this I got from uh, this kind of classic book called "How the Irish Saved Civilization" by oh, Thomas Cahill. Very well known one. It is, yeah. And so, and you know that the Celts didn't call themselves Celts, right? They were called Celts because that was. Uh, the Greek word uh, "Keltoi," which means barbarian.
1: Well, presumably they didn't call themselves Celts.
2: No. Mm-mm. Good. Okay. <laughs> so they were because they're barbarians. They were called barbarians by by other peoples, and so ergo Celt. Um, but yeah, they, so they crossed the Rhine around 600 BC, and um, one branch of the Celts headed to what would become France to be known as the Gauls, and so I don't. Drix and Obelix. Yes. And so yes. they also, um, we we'll, we could talk about this a little later, they saw themselves as descendants of Dispater. Really? Yes.
1: Oh, nifty. That's
2: so, so nice. There's, there's a little story about that a little later. That's wacky. Um, it is very wacky. And we can, I mean, it's, it's, it's controversial, let's say. Some went to the Iberian Peninsula to become seafarers, and... Some of these seafaring Celts actually made it as far as New Hampshire, potentially. There's there's evidence that they may have gone to New Hampshire. Uh-huh. Um, so, they uh, may have been the first Europeans in the New World. And then some invaded the Greek world in the 3rd BC, becoming the Galatians, who, you know, Paul had a correspondence with. So, an offshoot of the Gauls headed to what would become Britain around 400 BC, and they became the Britons with an O. Britons.
0: And this,
2: Britons. And this group was later pushed to Cornwall and Wales by the other barbarians, the Angles and Saxons. Where they became
1: folk dancers.
2: They all became, they all started where they their. they became the Burberry pagans. And then it's this group of, of Celts that is responsible, or it's considered responsible for the King Arthur legends. But that also is possibly a Cornish thing too. He may turn up later. He does. (laughs) I'm sure he does. Uh, King Arthur, man. And so some of those Celts also headed that, that headed to Britain, made their way to Ireland, but the seafaring Celts from the Iberian Peninsula were dominant there. So they also came over and then dominated. So they, they were known as the Milesians and their language group uh, was different from the Britons with an O, which is a Gaulish language group. Their language, the Iberians, the Milesians, was known as Gadelic by scholars, which became Irish and Scots Gaelic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that is all to say, the Celts came, like, they were not... Indigenous. Indigenous. (laughs) There were people who lived in Ireland before them, but they came over and became the next group, and they they also, there's a wide swath of... Territory that they cover, including the continent. Sounds Was like
1: sloshed all over Great Britain for quite some time.
2: They're everywhere. Yeah. So, they do, they uh,
1: do love a good slosh.
2: They do. And this is an area for Jamin. Jamin, can you name the Celtic languages?
0: Um, French. Mm. Uh, no. Azerbaijan. E. Nope. Uh, Esperanto. Esperanto. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Sindrian.
2: Cendrian, Yes. <laughs> Klingon. Um they are we've got there's there's six recognized ones. So there's Irish Gaelic, Scots Gaelic, Manx, Welsh, Cornish, Breton, and sometimes Galatian is considered Celtic. Um, but it has a Celtic language hasn't been spoken in that area of Spain for a while, so it's kind of not really considered by everybody, a uh, Celtic language, but there's a lot of borrowing of Celtic languages in that.
1: And I think Gallatin is an open crust pie.
2: Yep. Okay. That's very, yes, uh-huh, it's delicious. So, yeah, so that's where we are. All of these things become really, really important. Um, did I mention Welsh in the languages?
0: You said Welsh. It was just before Manx, or just after Manx.
2: Okay, so that's all to say. It's just setting the stage for all of the confusion that is to follow. <laughs> uh, so, let's talk about some other worlds.
1: Sure. I had two Gaelic words that I learned today, uh, uh-huh. Imram and Ektre.
2: Oh, okay. So, please explain what those are. Well, they're kind
1: of the same thing. An uh-huh. Ektre, and pronunciation, of course, um, is a – the word means adventure or outing, and it's uh-huh. – a. Uh, early story of a journey into the other world uh, you sometimes by sea, sometimes you go under a lake or into a fairy mound or into Narnia or under the couch or something like that mm-hmm. there's some sort of similar stories where someone is taken to the underworld by contact with a supernatural being such as the person who became the first king of Ireland kissed a hag and, and that did it for him
2: Oh, yeah. What was the hag's name? Do you recall?
1: Uh, I know the king's name was Neal. I don't know uh-huh. about the hag's name. No. That would be a, a hard question.
2: That, <laughs> wait, maybe we should talk about that next week. You we could bring up Who that hag.
0: Neal, kiss. Neal Huron was seen smooching girlfriend Hayley Seinfeld in an underground car park following shopping trip in Los
1: Angeles yesterday.
2: Wow. Okay. Now we know.
1: Thank you, Google. <laughs> <laughs> so an Imram is Imram is the same sort of thing, but it's almost always a voyage by sea mm. and its defining characteristic is 800 AD and beyond because they're christianized. And ah. I think I think the reason for that might be because before you could have this kind of ongoing relationship with the fairy world in this world, but post-christianity the fairy world had to be over
2: there. Oh, yeah. 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 Fairies um, took on a darker tone, shall they we say? They did
1: shift, and over there became kind of important.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we should definitely talk more about the fairies next week, just as we should talk about the Femarians.
0: Those of the upper leg? <laughs> Those
2: are the Femarians. Yes. It's the, <laughs> the foam Marians. They were uh, um, in battle with uh, didanen, the de um, didanen, the Celtic gods. So they were the kind of the orcs.
1: Yeah, grossly distorted, horrible things, uh-huh. huge eyes, that sort of stuff.
2: Which I'm very excited by. Um, not like, I'm excited intellectually about the uh, orc type mm-hmm. Celts. Mm-hmm. uh uh-huh. Well, those are those are very useful words, and they're going to show up a lot uh, in nope. how you get to the, after, the other worlds, for Note sure. Note that down
1: in your copybook.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm so pedantic today. What's going on?
1: Someone gave you the laser pointer.
2: <laughs> I had to wrestle it away from the cats again. So here's the gist. Okay, so because the Celts believed in reincarnation, there was really no defined place that you went after death. And so...
1: I think there is.
2: Well, there's no Judeo-Christian idea of heaven Mm. or hell. And some of these places were ostensibly where you would go while you're awaiting reincarnation. Oh, okay. That was, yeah, so it's kind of a waiting room, a, a celestial waiting room, if you will.
1: That's why the British are so good at queuing.
2: <laughs> it's true. They're just, I mean, this is what they've been living wow. for. <laughs> Normally, I'm the
1: culturally offensive
2: one. <laughs> well, no, 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 no.
1: We we establish at some point that Britain is actually the other world.
2: Every place is kind of the other world. Um, right. You're kind of, soaking in it.
1: It's just over there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because they believed in reincarnation, burials were like, they were buried with provisions for their journeys, as we were talking about. We're going to talk more about burial practices next week, probably. But sometimes there was uh, people were cremated, sometimes they're buried. But the whole idea is that you needed all of this stuff to go into the next life. So you know, we could stop the podcast there (laughs) just with, ah, there's no afterlife, but there's so much more interesting stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah. Like I'm kind of familiar with the, with some sorts of reincarnation, a lot of the Eastern Mm -hmm. reincarnation. I hadn't heard about this, this Celtic reincarnation. When do you get reincarnated? Who do you get reincarnated as? Does being good help? Does drinking whiskey help? Like, What's the point of reincarnation? What's the point of
1: life?
2: That's a very good
1: question. This is a comedy podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I, oh. I don't know if I'm prepared to answer those questions, but I do know that if you're um, certain ancestors, certain heroes, certain figures do wind, wind up in tir nOg, the land of the gods. And so there's always kind of this hope that, you know, if you have a heroic life are recognized for your, exploits on the battlefield, that that's where you wind up. So, But I'm not sure about just the regular Joe, like what that hope was. So, Jacob, you had something here?
1: Oh, I wanted to kind of elaborate on how uh, Britain is hell.
2: Oh, okay, so...
1: This goes back to, I think, Greece. It's not really a a Gaelic legend so much. But the Greek scholar Procopius, 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 said that there was this island where the dead were buried. And it was kind of this gateway to the land of the dead or the land of the dead itself. And it was about two days boat away from the coast of France. Mm -hmm. Although the sad fishers that were awakened at the dead of night by a strange knocking on their door to ferry these spirits across the bay. It mm-hmm. was only a journey of an hour or so for them, so quite a, a light boat ride there. They'd, they'd hear these knockings, and they'd go, and they'd see a boat on the shore that wasn't their boat, and it looked empty, but it was filled with invisible spirits. And they'd go across the bay and drop them off, and someone would call all their names. Although for women, it would only call their husband's name. And for this, they were not taxed by the people of France. But this this island, this place, was called Britia and yeah, about 50 miles off of the coast of France is almost everything on the south side of London.
2: So you're talking about the Isle of Spirits, right? Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so it was part of the Gaulish tradition. And when somebody passed away, they, it was believed that their soul would go to the northwest. And then, yeah, they would have to go to Brittany – in this in this story, it's Brittany, and they were taken on ships called Bag on Nas is supposed to be the ship that would take their soul to the Isle of Spirits.
1: Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so there was some some justification for that that Greek story.
2: Okay, neat. Yeah, because the Gauls, there's a there's definitely a Greek connection. And there's also like a continental connection. But also they again Were potentially, their souls were potentially carried by birds. And so that's why sometimes they could be cremated, they could be buried, but uh, sometimes they were left out to be eaten by birds so that their flesh and their souls would be taken to the Isle of Dead. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You just get pooped out in the Isle of Dead. Yes.
2: I think it was a little bit more romantic than that.
1: (laughs) More metaphysical, less poop.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Have you never been eaten by a
1: bird? Come on.
2: Um, not lately.
1: You know, actually, this is going to cop later on. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, so, so you're right. So like, there are all of these, these spaces, but very, we touched very briefly on kind of the good, the good places for the heroes and the ancestors like Tirnanog and Magmel. And there's also Black, which is the Isle of Apples, which could be the Isle of Man. So all of those places are other worlds for the gods and potential heroes. And and again, we have the same kind of story that we've seen time and time again where heroes have gone on a mission to these places and either come back completely changed, perhaps aged 300 years, or they end up staying there. But it doesn't
1: really seem like there's a bad place in like early Gaelic myth. I mean – there's there's fairies, they can be dangerous. There's mm-hmm. spirits and nobility you can get trapped in things and tangle up in promises and such, but there isn't really a punitive afterlife or much of an afterlife at all until the Christians start to kind of colonize the mythology.
2: Right, right. But there is sort of there are some limbo spaces okay. where you're awaiting reincarnation, and one of those is Tech Dunn. Which is the House of Dun or the House of the Dark One, because Dun means brown or or a dark color. And so this is another place where the soul traveled to to await reincarnation or to hang out before they went to one of the other more pleasant other worlds. And
0: oh, spell Tech Dun.
2: It is T E C H D U N N.
0: Oh, two N. Oh,
2: sorry, D D U I N N. You weren't
0: pronouncing the second N, that's why I didn't get it.
2: Oh, sorry, Tek- Tecton. And it's named after the god of the dead, one of the many ancestors of the Gaels, uh, named Dun. And he, his legends continue to the modern day. And so he is supposed to be a phantom horseman riding a white horse. Oh, and so yeah, mm-hmm. so white is like the color of gods and deities, and red is typically a color of death. So you see a lot of red and white imagery in a lot of these mythologies and, and uh, stories about the dead and stories about heroes. So people got to on through a chariot led by red horses. Sometimes again, sort of symbolizing death and here again, <laughs> sometimes souls were conveyed by birds or maybe the souls turned into birds to reach the other worlds. This is why, Sometimes instead of cremating bodies or burying them, they would just leave them out for the birds because they felt the birds would take the flesh and the souls to tech to await their reincarnation. So again, everybody goes west when they die. So here in this case, oftentimes your soul would fly west and there was another island called High Brazil that was potentially one of the, the, the realms of the dead.
1: And Tolkien picks this up, where the elves kind of go, they diminish and go west. It's, it's where the setting sun is. Like, yeah. Traditionally, the, the other lands are to the west or to the north, where it's kind of cold and grim. One of the two.
2: Right, right. So there's a lot of light and dark imagery going on, too. So we talked a little bit about unpleasant places, that there probably aren't some in the Judeo-Christian idea of bad places, but there is a portal to hell. There's two portals to hell in Ireland. One of them is uh, Rathcron, which uh, has this cave that is called Onegat Cave. And that means Cave of the Cats, I believe. Um, And that is supposed to be the passage between the world of people and the world of demons. And so this is the birthplace of Samhain. And it is also, for tourists, touted as the home of Halloween.
1: I saw that. Is this post mm-hmm. 700?
2: For the birthplace of Samhain?
1: Well, no, for the idea of a pit of demons. Is that something that the Christians brought over? Probably.
2: Well, when was Samhain? When did Samhain begin? Because it's its essentially like, they're called demons, but they're really spirits. So I bet the name demon came later, but it really was, it was this portal um, where the veil is thin, so on Samhain, you could interact, the worlds could interact.
1: Oh. You know, I feel like this is going to be lost in the the semi-mythology of religion. <laughs> and, Those and, and Christians and going like everywhere history.
0: and leaving, leaving pits of demons just wantonly about, like, unresponsible.
2: I know, at least put the lid on the demons so that they don't go stale, you know? It's it's awful when you have to scrape the mold off of them or like put them uh, in the uh, oven to toast them, Toast, make them crispy again. That probably
1: worked pretty well, actually. I mean, demons are mostly
0: fireproof. You just burn the mold off and you're good as new.
2: <laughs> so, uh, and this is somebody that we'll probably talk about next week, but, uh, so this portal to hell is also supposed to be the abode of the Morrigan, the Celtic goddess of war, who is also a three-part goddess. And a bird. Like. And a bird, <laughs> indeed. She shows up as a raven.
0: Is she the one with um, the magical pot or the magical stick?
2: Um, there's several magical pots, Ugh. magical cauldrons. So be more specific <laughs> when you're talking about magical pots. There, it's the it's lousy with magical pots. Lousy. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this country's crazy with like pots with jewels, pots with like never-ending soup and salad. The breadsticks, the magical breadsticks. Oh,
1: oh, oh mm-hmm. okay. That's a that's a, I like I like the way the olive garden picked up that tradition later on.
2: Yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's actually Olive Garden. So <laughs> yeah. Hospitaliano, y'all. Um, and also I don't know if you know anything about Magmore, but this is the Great Plain where the dead walk endlessly over its level surface. And so, sometimes this is believed to be in Spain. Oh,
0: oh, because of the lava fields. Yeah. Ah.
2: So, and in some stories, it is both a place of the end of life, and it is a place where life begins.
1: So Saint Brendan is supposed to have visited Spain and includes oh. includes some lava fields in his voyage. So oh, he's cool. supposed to have been to all sorts of places.
2: That's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty interesting how well-traveled a lot of these figures were. They kind of went all over the place. And they created land masses, like Finn McCool supposedly created the Isle of Man by throwing a clot of dirt into the sea. He created the Giant's Causeway. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other geographic features were created by different figures. Finn McCool, just an aside... We can talk more about this, but he also had the Thumb of Wisdom that he got while cooking the Salmon of Knowledge.
1: Never happened to me. I cook fish all the time. Yeah,
2: yeah. Maybe you should, you know.
1: They don't sell the Salmon of Wisdom at Costco.
2: (laughs) I think it's farm-raised. Oh. Yeah. So, Anwen is another one of these kind of ambiguous places that... In legend, in pre-Christian Celtic legend, is actually like a very lovely place where there's absolutely no illness and there's plenty. It's a land of beauty. I mean, this is this is in Wales. Um, this is a, a Welsh otherworld. And by the way, just a, a little fun fact: Irish otherworlds are often called Shees, which is S I D H E, and that can either be the land itself. Or it can be the place where the otherworldly creatures live, or it can be that creature. So there's some consternation about that term. But sh- in Wales. Aren't the she's the
1: screaming ones? No, that's the banshees.
2: And we will talk about that next time because there is a connection. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but in Wales, these places are called cars, and that's C A E R. And.
1: Oh. Oh, again, like Narnia.
2: Yeah, so but
1: Carperavel. Car
2: yeah, and so she's are pretty much you're soaking in it. Like again, you could somebody hand you an apple, you could go into one of these Irish other worlds. Give you a skein of yarn, ball of thread, you can go into the afterlife. They're mist. They're, you can walk through mist. Welsh afterlives, you have to cross the ocean.
1: Interesting. Uh,
2: mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a difference in how you get places as well. But Onwen is the big one in Wales, and it also could be underground. Some of these are actually underground too. So you have to you can go under the water. But so Onwen shows up in a lot of Welsh literature. Uh, the big story that it shows up in is the first branch of the. I know I'm going to butcher this. Mabinogi, which is the story of Pwyll, the Prince of Dyfed who interrupts Arwen, Arwen who's the, the king at this time of Anwen, interrupts his hunting hounds. And so,
0: oh, no. long story short,
2: it kind of ends in this like freaky Friday body switch that actually is is a happy ending. So that one is kind of the happy, you know, sort of more nature-focused version of Anwen. But in another poem, the Cad not sure if that's correct, The denizens of Anwen are described as monsters. So some of these monsters include a wide-mawed beast with a hundred heads and bearing a host both beneath the root of its tongue and another around its neck. A host. So it's kind of a mockery of Christianity. And then a hundred-clawed black-groined toad.
1: Black-groined
0: toad. It sounds like you're reading Jacob's Algorithm. (laughs)
2: <laughs> doesn't it yeah. it really really does and also it sounds a little bit like the cod pieces we were talking about a few episodes ago so it's a to- it's a toad with a cod piece dancing to word up and um there's a modeled rigid serpent with a thousand souls by their sins tortured in the holds of its flesh so it's a modeled serpent that has lots of like little 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 Fatty rolls. Yeah. And within those little fatty rolls, <laughs> there's like little sinners being tortured.
1: This has to be post-Christian.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The host the host, kind of gives it away, I think. Yeah. So, and this, I think, this is where some of your St. Collins stuff comes in.
1: He does intersect, interestingly, with Anwin. Uh-huh. In a kind of final sort of go-away sort of way.
2: Yeah, because he vanquishes
1: everyone. He just wanders yeah. around He wanders around, vanquishing people. <laughs> like the Fae just walked up to him and say, hey, we've got some tasty morsels and a lovely castle and aren't our little people pretty? And he says, no, demon. Bam.
2: <laughs> so how did he do that? One, one, one thing I read was just he's like mm-hmm. walked around just like with a garden hose of holy water. Oh, yeah, essentially. basically. So this mm-hmm. is St.
1: Colin. St. Colin a 7th century warrior monk. He was picked by the Pope to go to Ireland specifically to do battle with a giant... I believe that's the case. Not really in a David Goliath sort of way. He just kind of whooped him. And after that, he kind of just hung around the um, Briton area. Uh, he ended up in Cornwall and like became a hermit on Glastonbury tour, which is really kind of sad because Glastonbury tour is like where Arthur is going to raise from the dead and it's a gate between worlds. And this really kind of wet blanket hermit monk just kind of sat on there and declared himself its bishop. But there's a story about that, which is that he was going to come to Glastonbury, and he got an invitation to dine with Gwynapnud, or or Anwen, in a different incarnation of him. King of the Other World, King of the Fairies. And Psychopomp so, extraordinaire. Yeah, big time. Yeah, he's a doorway god, really. And so Cullen climbed the top of Glastonbury Tor, and he got up there. This is like a big, like rocky dome with a tower on the top of it. It, it just looks like a, a steam bun, basically, of rock.
2: Is this where they have the music festival? That's all I can think about is that he went to a music festival and just ruined it for everybody.
1: I would believe there could be something like that there. Mm-hmm. But he climbed up this rock and got up there. there. was a big castle up there, and it had really, really, really handsome soldiers and dancing maidens and trumpets and lovely food and drink. And Gwyneth Nudd came and said, hey, anything you want, we've got it. And he said, no, and sprinkled holy water on them, and they all vanished. Dick move. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> kind of a part of that. Totally.
1: Kind of a part of that, and this turns up. Gwyn said, you know, you can have anything you want, and Colin said, no, I don't want any of your stuff. And he says, but, but <laughs> it, would you at least say that my dancers are pretty? Because they're all wearing, like, red and blue. And he says, nope, nope. Red's the color of hellfire, and corpse, and blue's the color of corpses. Then he banished them with holy water. And he's just kind of a, a jerk. Uh, there's another kind of related story where he saw some fairy folk that were dancing, and One of them walked up to him and said, do you like our clothing? And he said, no. And vanishes them with holy water again. No, he makes a sign of the cross and vanishes them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Later on, he does battle with another kind of giant and and wins again with his sword. So he's a pretty competent fighter, but he's given a magic item by the Pope. And um, he has a relic. It's a lily that blooms whenever anybody denies the virgin birth.
2: What? Uh Okay, so explain. <laughs> Hold up. Wha- so what is the point of this?
1: <laughs> it, it, it does seem like a kind of level two magic item at that point. <laughs> Doesn't really help your combat modifiers very much. Um, I did say that correctly. The, the context for it is the lily was supposed to have bloomed at the birth of Christ. And so if anybody says, oh, no, virgin birth, it says, well, whoop. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> that's a complicated one. And he's not, I I, I imagine him as this dour, sour man that writes like letters to the editor all the time, but he's actually probably a fairly, you know, buff warrior type guy. He's got a sword.
2: I feel like he's one of those guys that is so into his own body that all he eats is boiled chicken.
1: Yeah. That's very specific. (laughs) Let's, let's not ask.
0: Let's just not <sighs> uh, <clears throat> as a side, yes. does that work? Asking for a friend.
2: <laughs> Give it a go. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Really, I eat, I eat
0: boiled chicken,
2: <laughs> and you have absolutely I mean, my no friend. joy
0: in life.
2: <clears throat> and you start. All you do is talk about lifting and your boiled chicken. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. You <laughs> do you even lift, bro? <laughs> <laughs>
0: She just shot my flex game down.
2: <laughs> Two tickets to the gun show right she just, here. She
0: just went calling on my gun show.
2: <laughs> Boom, banished. <laughs> I feel like next Halloween we have to dress up as our favorite uh, saintly party pooper. <laughs> and just like go from party to party, just spraying people with.
1: Wet, wet get, blanket saint trio.
2: Yeah.
0: Get a garden sprayer. The kind of like you pump up. <laughs>
2: That's right, that's right. That's <laughs> right.
1: Do you like my costume? Splash,
2: <laughs> demon. Yeah. So Colin is. He also defeated a magician oh, prob- named probably uh, Gwydion. Yeah, who was a uh, kind of a important figure. And and <laughs> the fun part about this is the battle involved fighting trees. So we have like the origin of Ents. I believe in this story. Fighting
1: trees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ints. Ents. I think what one of the things I like about Colin is how concrete he is about demonizing the Irish mythology. It's like mm-hmm. right there. He's like, Hi, we're fairies. No, you're demons, and you're gone. Poof. It's it's so one, two, three, gone.
2: Mm-hmm. Actually I kind of see him as the uh Javier Bardem character in No Country for Old Men walking around with the cattle the cattle stunner. Yeah, killing people with yeah, a I bad haircut. S- I can see that. <laughs> so we're going to cast Javier Bardem in a bad toupee um, to play Colin. Yep. So you touched on something very important. You touched on a lot of things very important, but one of those things is that over time, Anwen became known as Gwynap Nude, mm. who became kind of a more sort of a Kernanos. Figure. Okay. Like, became sort of like both. Both Anwen and Gwyn ap become sort of like synonymous with uh, more horn god. Yep. 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 So there are a lot of similarities there. There's uh, also the wild hunt is a part of their story.
1: Yeah. And when Anwen had those dogs, and mm-hmm. you know they were just those dogs until he got demonized, and then they became the hounds of hell.
2: And especially like Gwyn ap became kind of the dark version of Anwen, mm-hmm. and became sort of seen as the, uh, well he was a psychopomp as Jamin pointed out and kind of like this figure of the dead so again like <laughs> christianity made this happen
0: i smiled really big when she said mm-hmm. i was right but none of you saw that so i just wanted to, to say what i was, was
2: a, i could hear that smile but also he was supposed to be the controller of demons too and so huh. the mm-hmm, yeah
1: and he had horns so this all logically follows
2: Yep, 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 yep. And so, yeah, the the hounds of um, Anwen became the hounds of the the wild hunt, otherwise known in Christianity as the Hellhounds. So, Gwynap Nude again is kind of this this sort of ambiguous figure because he's both associated with death. He's a psychopomp. He's kind of like the the manager for the demon crew, but that was a God given role. So he was preventing the world from being destroyed by being the managing the demons. Mm. But that also implies that, again, that somehow Onwin is a place where there are demons, too. So now we've populated the island with demons or this land with demons. But just uh, one little fun fact for you, Jamin.
1: <laughs> That's how you know you're in a medieval Christian world. There's demons everywhere.
2: They're just – it's lousy with demons. You're just like swatting them away. You holy know. water,
1: holy water, holy water.
2: Mm-hmm. hmm You put out those little little pest strips. They stick to it. You don't know what to do. It only works moving. on
1: the but he's very large.
2: <laughs> you get the zappers. Um but uh so Jamin, you Uh-oh. might find this interesting. Uh oh. So in in the Isle of Man, the hounds in the wild hunt, they're called the Yell Hounds.
1: <laughs> that becomes yes later on, I think.
2: Does it really? Does like it? yes yet, with a thorn? Yet, or yet actually, hounds,
1: yes, hounds are a thing.
2: Yes, yes, hounds. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so talking about what happened with Onwin, uh, is kind of the spoiling of Onwin became a dark and, uh, dark land of dark divinities, but this also is in its name because Onwin means deep and dark and, uh a receptacle for the dead, even. So it also is uh, comparable to the Breton word anon, which is the souls of the departed, but that's kind of a tenuous connection. So also fun aside, we do have a Welsh word for hell, and it's afern, which is also kind of tied to Anwen, and that is derived from the Latin word inferna.
0: I was just oh. going to say, there's some FRN cognate there.
1: So getting away from Manx and Ireland, about as far away as you can, like to Florida, I'd like to kind of follow St. Brendan around the globe for a little bit. He's kind of amazing. He lived around 525 in his more factual period, but his legendary voyage was recorded, made up, fictionalized around 800 or so, So we're kind of getting – that's like the date of when we start transitioning away from the Ektra and into the Imrams. That's when Christians start taking over.
2: Darn Christians.
1: And by 1200, there was copies written in English and German. It was kind of all over the the northy area. It is based on his possibly true voyages. And there is – some legitimate scholars say that he did make it to Florida, which he probably called – Erland Ignicola, uh Greater Ireland. Oh. Yeah. Some of the support for that is the like really weird flora and fauna that he talks about in his narrative might be referencing some of that land. And there's cool. a Native American story from Florida that goes something along the lines of There dwelt white men who clothed themselves in long white garments, carried before them poles to which cloths were attached, and they called out in a loud voice. <laughs>
0: Imagine being Irish and having never seen a palm tree in your life. And then well, whiskey.
2: <laughs> so that's the progression of things. You see a palm tree, you invent whiskey.
0: A <laughs> logical progression. I
2: mean, imagine imagine anybody going anywhere and seeing a thing for the first time.
1: That's and a very blank check thing to imagine. whiskey.
2: <laughs> and then whiskey. <laughs> How can we drink this? Is usually the question yeah, yeah. that first comes to mind when somebody goes to a, an, an unfamiliar land.
1: I, I think the Voyage of Saint Brendan should have been animated by Terry Gilliam, and it's kind of a tragedy that it wasn't. Uh, oh, be-
2: so so tell me more.
1: Well, so first off, fourteen monks pile into a little tiny boat. It's like a, an oversized leather canoe. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: What's it called? A um, Ankurag it's called. And then they go sailing kind of randomly, like they'll just drift for weeks and weeks. And he's called Brendan the Navigator and I feel like it's not it's <laughs> so not a I really quotes. good name.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brendan the Navigator over there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Got to say it with your eyebrows up. <laughs> Some diacriticals there. <laughs> So the story, and it's about 18 pages long. it's not a huge epic work. Brendan learns that another monk by the name of Murnoch, not that it matters, found a strange island of delights. So he and his band of 14 little monks, they set forth, they write a lot of letters of apology to their families. Brilliant idea, they fast for 40 days before heading out. I don't I don't know why. and then they uh, they hit the road traveling in the direction of the summer solstice and immediately hit 12 days of calm and then they driftlessly for 40 more days. The sort of is a pattern of they just get lost for forty days. Presumably, it's like a metaphorical forty days, but they do get lost an awful lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm all the way up to chapter five at this point now. I would like to interject: Not all who wonder are lost. Um, yeah, they are. In the case of Brendan, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in the case of Brendan, he's he really doesn't have a plan. He's just going in that direction, wherever God points him to. So eventually they hit some tall cliffs. They meet a dog. The dog takes, takes them to a mansion. There's a lot of silver ornaments and free food. Strange quote: Saint Brendan ordered the serving brother to produce the the meal which God had sent them. I'm gonna try that so sentence again. they brought
2: again. their own food and asked that it be served to them. Essentially, like we we got our, we brought some barbecue. Do you mind? Well, I think it? it's
1: the food that was there. Saint oh, Saint okay. Brendan ordered the serving brother to produce the meal which God had sent them. I I found that very challenging. Mm-hmm. He has a dream about a demon in the guise of a little black boy, mm. and he's tempted by this. The temptation involves a bridal bit, which I am I think is about silver and not about some sort of weird kink thing.
2: Uh, Okay.
1: Could go either way. They hang out for a few more days, then Brendan learns one of his brothers might have stolen the silver bit, so he exorcises the demon, and the monk dies three days later. So I guess that's a success story. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. Why, why bother exorcising <laughs> him? He's going to die I, anyway. I know, Right. Chapter 8, the little boat of 13 monks, they're dying of thirst at this (laughs) point. God will provide, says St. Brendan, and then they get to an island with a lovely waterfall. But they have a hard time parking. So Brendan says, God didn't provide parking, so we're going somewhere else.
2: (gasps) Oh, Brendan.
1: And I just, this is very passive-aggressive on his part. Like God's like, I gave you, I gave you, waterfall. (laughs) The other monks are like, reaching out with a cup, and he said, no, no, we're not doing that.
2: But uh, we're so we're so uh
1: Chapter nine, Island full of sheep. A man gives them cakes and directions to the paradise of the birds. Chapter Brendan ten
2: knocks them out of their hands.
1: <laughs> God did not give us birds, they would have been plucked. Uh Chapter ten, they find an uncharted island and have dinner and they make dinner on it, but it turns out to be a giant fish on a like Ouroboros Jormundur scale of fish. Cool. It swims away, carrying their campfire with it. <laughs> so over there self-cooking now, fish. Yeah. chapter 11, we're in year two. We're at the Island of the Birds. They sound like tiny bells. They're flocking around a priest. It turns out these are all the fallen angels. It's not a bad mm-hmm. gig. They sing some hymns with the birds. It's nice. There's a random encounter here. They're at a sort of monastery, and the abbot has magical lamps that will not burn out. Hmm. And This mm-hmm. is another like Brendan moment. Uh, Brendan okay. says, how do these tapers burn without going out? The abbot says, it's a spiritual light. Brendan says, how oh. can you have a spiritual flame burn in a material substance? And oh, the abbot yeah. says, have you not heard of the burning bush near Mount Sinai that burned without being consumed? To which Brendan says, yes, I've read of this. But what analogy has that to do with this case? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: uh. There are points in the narrative where I kind of want to take a frying pan to St. Brendan.
2: (laughs) I think his men probably did, too.
1: Yeah. Somewhere around here, there's a bunch of prophecies of things that have already happened, and I got really confused. Mm -hmm. Um, Chapter 12. (laughs) Chapter 12, they're in a very silent island. Monks meet an old man with white hair. They eat bread and trade prophecies. The first use of the word pellucid and the first use of the word limpid in the text.
2: What does pellucid mean?
1: Admitting
0: maximum passage of light without diffusion or distortion. Trans- transparent.
1: Yes.
2: I just learned something new.
1: Yes. What does limpid mean? Floppy.
2: <laughs> no, that's limp. <laughs> well, limpid, I think it means like kind of softly
1: glowing. Um, Is that right? Free of anything that darkens. It also means clear. So there's synonyms. Okay. Oh, we've been reading different mm. bodice rippers.
2: His eyes like limpid pools, right?
1: Yes. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, After
1: after three days and nights, the wind ceased, and the sea became a thick, curdled mass, so great was Mm -hmm. the calm. Then the Holy Father said, Take in your oars and cast loose the sails, for the Lord will guide our boat whithersoever he willeth. In this manner was the boat kept in motion for the space of about twenty days, until (laughs) God sent a favorable wind. <laughs> uh, chapter 15, Giant Bird shows up, telling tells them they're going to do a good job. They'll get somewhere in seven years. Chapter 16, Another Sea Monster. Brendan summons a Sea Monster to fight it, and it turns out that Sea Monsters taste pretty good.
2: Oh, so they got to eat the Sea Monster? Yes, they or is this did. like a Moth or a Godzilla? No, they did. They
1: got to eat the Sea Monster.
2: It's lovely. It doesn't
1: matter who wins, okay. we all eat. Chapter 17, The Island of Strong Men. Mm. Uh, it's an island of boys, young men, and elders dressed in purple. One of their brothers decides to stay behind. Um, they last see him. No figure. They last see him following <laughs> two of the young men to the company of the saints, where he is admitted into their society. Uh, mm-hmm. There are very large grapes. Okay. A question uh, here. Let me interject. I have a lot of questions about the scene.
0: No, 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 no. Not your questions. So okay. in the in my translation, yes. When the dude steals a thing and dies, yes, it mm. says the first latecomer dies. And in this one, it says the second latecomer remains
1: while the others leave. I don't know. I didn't get that in my translation. It's a latecomer. Someone who came late? Latecomer. (laughs) Someone someone who came late. A person who arrives late? Yes.
0: But why would the man who dies be the first latecomer? Like, why are his 14
1: monks latecomers? Because he was late. (laughs) Synonym for dead. You think? I don't know. No, I don't know. I, th- I think. I think we're, we're. 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 Um, I. I. I do not know the answer to this.
2: Yeah, we oh. should find out. Oh, 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 oh. oh.
1: hang on. Oh. I answered what? my own question. Okay, are you ready?
0: Back to uh-huh. back to back to chapter four. Oh no!
2: <laughs> no
0: no no no. Brendan <laughs> uh-huh. and fourteen men,
2: fourteen yep. monks, soon,
0: soon to be thirteen. Right. I'm uh-huh. holding up four fingers. Yes. To represent 14.
2: 14, yes, got it. Then
0: three latecomers join the group.
2: Oh, so they joined the party late. No, no, because
0: it's Brendan plus 14 is 15, plus three is 18. Okay.
2: Okay.
1: So the latecomers are the ones that are dying. Oh, so we never lose the original 14. We're only halfway through the story. That's true. But I know how it ends.
0: Okay, so the second latecomer leaves. Because if you didn't show up on time, you weren't worthy enough to be a real monk. Oh, I'll buy that.
2: So monks need to be always on time.
1: Oh, I just skipped ahead to the ending. This does not end well. It doesn't. It, <laughs> ends, it ends dumb. Um, okay. Eighteen, more grapes, more pomegranates, a griffin. God sends a bird to tear the griffin's eyes out. There's much rejoicing. Twenty, Christmas. 21, Crystal Sea, lots of fish. They sing mass at the fish. The fish go away. Second use of Pellucid. 22, giant building. The supporting column is 400 cubits across, which I think is about a quarter mile. Uh, They have a little church service. 23, we have a hellscape. Something, (gasps) Something like it. This may, be, this may be Spain, now that Jaman suggests that, because he did get to Spain. Uh, a rugged, rocky mm-hmm. island covered with slag. The sound of anvils and iron and bellows, and hairy, hairy and hideous inhabitants be grimed in fire. The boat sails away as fast as they can, and the natives throw big balls of melting slag at them, and the island looks like a huge ball of fire. Brennan says, Soldiers of Christ, be strong in faith unfeigned, for now we are in the confines of hell. Watch, therefore, and act manfully.
0: Ooh. Don't be a little girl. Come on, man. His words. His words, not mine.
2: Sure, (laughs) sure. You're slagging on the monks.
1: 24. Man on cliff says, Woe is you, woe is me, is carried off by burning demons, mountain catches fire.
2: 25.
1: Uh, 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 Hang on. Let me say they find a volcano, and demons take
0: the third latecomer down to hell. That's my translation. So there goes number three.
1: Now we're back to the OG twenty five man on something like a cross or a giant fork on a rock turns out to be Judas. He's usually tormented by a mass by a mass burning molten lead and being eaten by a Leviathan, but it's Sunday, so he gets a few hours off. Saint mm-hmm. Brennan gives him the day off. demons show up chase Brennan around for a while
2: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> very <laughs> much so very much so uh twenty eight after navigating for seven years, they get to a really pretty island with lots of fruit and on the other side of the river, but they can't cross the river. It's a trope
2: yes, okay i'm 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 sensing a pattern here,
1: a cute guy shows up and hugs them all and says that yes, this is the island of delights, but it's being reserved for when the world ends. yep, not the island of pleasure, necessarily. It's maybe a different island and then, after seven years, they reach a different island of delights. I think this is the pleasure island the monk found earlier where they remain for three days and then go mm-hmm. back to their monastery. What kind of ending is this, and then someone <laughs> else later on agrees with me and adds their own ending, which is, and afterward he ended his days in pieces and his life ended somewhere in July.
2: Wow.
1: 16 pages of journey and they summarize the Island of Pleasure, the destination of this entire trip in about 75 words. Yeah.
2: Well, is it, so, so something that I was reading about debunking the idea of hell being present in pre-Christian Celtic literature, like this is an add on by later monks yeah, yeah. This is
1: like eight 800 written down by Monk. Um,
2: and so these journeys that were once kind of these like fun travelogues to all of these different like islands of plenty and mystery and just like crazy fun stuff, like the Isle of Laughing, um, became like gradually parables of or moral tales. So as you go along, there it's, it's, uh, you're supposed to like, there's a story of, of penance and. There's punishments, or at least the witnessing of of potential punishments along the way as kind of warnings. Yeah. And you can't access the Pleasure Islands. You can only sail past them as they wave and say, like, maybe someday, maybe someday.
1: But this one is, this is light, still light. This feels like the island hopping adventure saga sort of thing. It it doesn't feel as heavy with meaning as we get to later on with um, other vision journeys. This is the first right. the first Irish hell vision, and it's pretty tame
2: yeah um, mm-hmm. yeah
1: it, it has it has a much more fairyland feel it's just that fairyland gets kind of dark around there somewhere
2: it's kind of like it's a small world just so, like uh, just like <laughs> it's like a it's like an a, one of the happier dark rides but yeah there's 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 a couple of other journeys like the um voyage of Maldoon and where the island of laughing becomes supplanted by the island of whaling and lame um, that's tacky (laughs) exactly and then uh and in this one the men who go ashore (laughs)
1: the island of laughing got transformed to the island of iron spikes
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's i mean you know we ran you know spikes laughing oh it depends who's
0: getting impaled
2: right i mean seeing somebody impaled can be pretty funny right so we all agree on that but then there's also the uh, Voyage of the Sons of, of Okora, and they, instead of like seeing anything fun, they go to the island of Weeping first. But first, they actually—that would have been like
1: fourth a, on my itinerary,
2: <laughs> right? They're like, here we are at the Isle of Weeping. But again, they uh, they plotted the murder of their grandfather, so you know this is kind of a fitting journey okay. for them to atone for their sins. So.
1: Very Voyage of the Dawn Treader was kind of my, 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 my remembering that story. Like that kind of island hopping, but with more moralism because it's Anglican, not Irish.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that you say that, that was – Voyage of the
0: Dawn Treader is the – what is it? Voyageo? What's the word? Damn it.
1: Navigatio. Isio? Navigatio. Yeah. I think it's modeled after the Journey of Bran.
0: E, full hmm. stop. Yeah. Yeah. S, yeah. full stop. Lewis, yes, you plagiarizing bastard!
1: It's allegorizing; oh, yeah. it's not plagiarizing.
2: He was a man, C.S. Lewis, that guy.
1: Mm, like my childhood mm. ruined. Mm, don't <laughs> don't diss the Lewis.
0: He s- didn't have an original thought in his head. <laughs> Just, would, screen, screenshot?
2: <laughs> the lion is Jesus. <laughs> We can't. Sorry,
1: I can't speak to you anymore. I'm very upset
2: now. <laughs> oh, we kid because we love. Yes, it worked.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah, as we as we like skip ahead by like units of 200 years, these vision journeys become much darker, much more allegorical, much they're much more didactic. That's the word didactic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think that really shows in Adam non- the Vision of Adamnon was a 10th century document. It sort of recounts the stories of Saint Adamnon, uh, an abbot of Iona, who... Why don't I have any information about him proper?
2: Oh, let me see what I have. Because Iona is Scotland, by the way, right? Yes. So, Adinon, um he was an Irish visionary who was writing in about the 8th century, actually. And he's considered the precursor to Dante. Hmm. I don't know if you saw Charles Boswell's translation of this from 1908, but his translation is called An Irish Precursor to Dante, a Study of the Vision of Heaven and Hell, Ascribed to the 8th Century Irish Saint Adamnon.
1: I made my own translation. It's 500 words. Yeah. Much shorter. (laughs) More hand gestures.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's probably a little livelier. But yeah, so he it turns out, and I was excited to see this because it's your guy, that he influenced the uh, vision of Tundale.
1: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I think all of the Irish visions kind of flowed into each other. It just get worse and worse as we go go down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Adnan was 800. This was compiled or retranslated in about 1,000 or so, so solidly 200 years after St. Brendan's Legend. So this one is about 10 pages long, in, in my version, with the you know mm-hmm. nine-point font or so. Again, not epically large. The entire thing is sort of an early hell purgatory. Everybody goes into a shining city, and if they're good, they go towards God. If they're bad, they've seen the presence of God, but get separated from him, so a little twist of the knife there. But they kind of go along parallel journey for a while, because... The people that are good but not great have to kind of go in this spin cycle for about 20 mm-hmm. years to get some of the sin knocked out of them. <laughs> uh, and, and much like Tundal, we do kind of go through this and then get to a purgatory state later on. So it goes it goes to happy ending. Mm-hmm. But just remember kind of like the good people and the bad people or the not so good people are traveling together. And the good people just kind of go down the aisle and the bad people get Crashed against the side a few times and stuck with spikes and mm. like hassled by hellhounds, that sort of thing. But they're in the same journey. Uh-huh. Uh, part one, great is God, etc., etc. Two, we established there are angels, demons, heaven, hell, and we're going to hell very soon. So immediately we're going to hell. This is like Bren- mm-hmm. Brendan put it off to like four fifths of the way through the narrative, but here it's like line ten we're going to hell. But first, we're going to go to the land of the saints, where everybody wears linen and contemplates heaven. Five, more saints. The sky is clear. Circle of fire surrounds the place, but that's okay. Six, we meet Mary and the apostles. There are babies. I don't know why there are babies. Bert-
2: I was wondering that, too. There's a lot of babies. Yeah,
1: yeah. There are babies. What? Cherubs. Maybe?
2: Cherubs? Yeah.
1: Cherubs! Oh, my God. I thought you said Arabs.
2: I, know. I had a moment where I'm like, no, certainly he didn't say that. It has to be on our cultural
1: offensive for the day please
2: let it be cherubs (laughs) (laughs) cherubs
1: we're in agreement on this one good oh my Um, please don't unsubscribe (laughs) um, uh, they're babies I'm not sure why they're babies birds and bands provide background music and will do so until the judgment day after which people will stare at god forever
2: that sounds fun. I know.
1: Chapter 8, it's God, but if you look at God, your eyes will melt. There are, six, <laughs> there are six million horses and birds. I don't know why. 9 and 10, we talk about angels. 11, we talk about the crystal walls and the rainbows and things like that. And 12, we talk about all the nice people that are in heaven. Aren't they nice? 13, interior decorating, more angels. 14, mm-hmm. there's a city covered in fire and ice with swamps and fighting and wailing and all that. And it's mm-hmm. the same city. It's just this is the way the bad people see it. So there's this kind of layered perception of the afterlife going on here. It's a bit unclear in places. Uh, The Archangel Michael shows up with two kids and beats people as they go past. Just like Mm -hmm. real kids. Yeah. Yep, I do that. Yeah, and Archangel Michael is a psychopomp as well, so having him as this kind of transitional Mm -hmm. point makes sense. 16, Archangel Ariel scourges people, and there's a stream that cleans up the souls of the righteous, but it just burns the sinners. 17, Fiery Furnace, 12,000 cubits across, which is about five miles the souls of the blessed get through it with no problem, but the saint, sinful burn for 12 years, give or take. Uh, 18. Fire River with a whirlpool that stirs bad people around for 16 years, and then an angel beats them. 19. Shining God judges you. Take, O heavenly angels, this unprofitable soul, and deliver him into the hands of Lucifer, that he may plunge him and utterly extinguish him in hells profound through ages everlasting. Ouch. Oh. Yes. Ouch. I'm adding this one to the Tormento Once you've seen the glory of God, you may then be eaten by 12 fiery dragons, one after the other, until the, <laughs> lowest, until the lowest dragon lands you in the devil's maw. There doth he oh. experience the consummation of all evil in the devil's own presence throughout the ages.
2: So this is very similar to Dante. And a little bit of
1: the human centipede as well. Ah. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. Let's... Not dwell on
1: that too much. <laughs> Number 21, Glen filled with fire and eight burning serpents. 22, giant bridge spanning a valley of flames. The sinners find it broad, but they get thrown in as it narrows. That, That's, yeah. that yeah, yeah, turns yeah. up a few other times as well, I think. Mm-hmm. 25, burning chains and fiery columns. 26, cows of ice, blankets, mire, blanket, salt cover maybe, demons with fiery clubs making moan. 27, streams of fire... Fiery nails and tongues, islands in a fiery sea. Twenty-eight. <laughs> Sinners are put on leashes made of red hot flaming chains alongside stinking <gasps> raw hided hounds, and throttled by an unspeakable throng of demons while being thrown up into the sky and dropped into the abyss every alternate hour, alongside impostors, false prophets, and the children of priests while the Blessed Watch.
2: You tricked us I
1: did. You mm. <laughs> twenty-nine. Showers of red hot arrows in a black lake. 30. We're shown where the bad people go on Judgment Day, and honestly, it sounds kind of like Texas, but a bit smaller and with more ice. <laughs> 31 through 35, amen. You know, I,
2: when I was reading this, all I could imagine were was, uh, like, I don't even know how I have this, like, I think cartoons, old movies, but, you know, like, a crazy factory where you're going along all the conveyor belts. Oh, yeah,
1: like, yeah, playing Ding, powerhouse Ding, in the background. Ding.
2: And then things are kind of like splitting off and getting, you know, just kind of like all this crazy stuff. Yeah, like going the good overhead. people are just sitting
1: there wearing like cute little suits and going down the middle thing. And then like the people right, right behind them goes zoop off to the yeah, left like and right. Tubes, and it just beats it against the ceiling up. for a while. <laughs>
2: yeah. But uh, interesting fun fact I don't know if you uh, saw this, but this this vision is actually. Part of the the whole connection to Dante is that it is the earliest Irish visionary work to use the literary device of a bridge that the souls must cross as part of their whole sorting ordeal.
1: Well, I wonder about that because I feel like I've heard it in some of the Indian Buddhist texts, but I'm not sure about that. No, like the River of the Dead in Japanese mythology has... Mm -hmm some sort of bridge element to it.
2: This is the first Irish one. Okay, that's that's fine.
1: I'll I'll, I'll put my pedantry away.
2: (laughs) No, 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 no. But it's interesting. And also, um, it's the it mar it's the origin of visionary literature about um a spiritual pilgrim undergoing trials in and this is kind of an Irish tradition as well, so it's like taking that tradition and putting it into a visionary text.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see that. Mm Um, So this this inspired Tundle and this inspired Dante, and I feel like they go in two very different directions, stylistically and tonally. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and also there's a spiritual guide in this. True, yeah, there's an –
1: is there – wait, in this one? Is there?
2: Yeah, yeah, I forgot. He's being led around.
1: Oh, yeah, I ignored him. (laughs) Because he wasn't funny.
2: So this is what your hell journey is going to be like, ignoring the guide.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. No question there at all.
2: <laughs> Just like, yada, yada, yada. Hellfire, penitence, whatever. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. We've got more visionary texts to address
0: <laughs> next time, probably. So many. Or draw in with green so crayon.
2: Many. I feel like we could have a... Well, definitely we could have a whole... Set of episodes on different visionary texts.
1: They, they, it's sure. a genre until Dante. Then he kills it.
2: Dante ruined everything. Like,
1: after Dante, like yeah, we could do more vision, vision literature, but he's got yeah. he's got ninety stanzas of the stuff or ninety yeah 90 cantos.
2: Damn it, Dante! On to the continent. So I feel like we need to talk about the Gauls because they are very foundational to the whole Celtic world. And um, I mentioned earlier that the Gauls believe themselves to be uh, descendants of Dispater. And this came from Julius Caesar, actually, who uh, tells us in Book Four of his Commentaries on the Gallic War that all the Gauls assert that they are descended from the god Dis and say that the tradition has been handed down by the Druids. For that reason, they compute the divisions of every season not by the number of days but of nights. They keep birthdays and the beginnings of months and years in such an order that the day follows the night. Oh. So
1: how does that differ?
2: Don't answer you'll that. You'll have to ask Caesar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Caesar. But it's it's from this little bit of text and calendaring That this whole idea of the Gauls, I'm sure there's more to it, but this is the thing that keeps showing up as the reason why the Gauls believe that they're descended from Dispater. As you may imagine, scholars kind of see this whole idea as a case of uh, Interpretatio Romano, and instead believe that the Gauls actually descended from a Celtic god, perhaps our old friend Curnos. okay. So another, another group associated with him or Susilos too. He's the little dude with a hammer and libation saucer. I don't know if you've seen. I haven't. There's, yeah. So he's, he's kind of a a popular figure. So Susilos Sylvanus was mainly a Gaulish god. And so there's this little statue of him holding these things found in German Celtic territory. And the fact that it's, shows him with a three-headed dog and a raven, some believe he's also associated with Pluto. So, again, this kind of god of the underworld uh, thing. And so, you know, Pluto and Dispater are also
1: synonymous. Kind
2: of, exactly. So, he's also so associated with Dada, one of the leaders of the Tuatidonan... <laughs> It's not Dada, like the Dada.
1: The 1930s surrealist <sighs> art movement.
2: Yeah, it's D-A-G-D-A. D-A-G-D-A. Oh, Dada, okay. Mm-hmm. And, or the Welsh figure, mar And again, there's this little figure of this guy that is associated with, that supposedly proves that there's this connection between all of these figures and this paper.
0: Also Jupiter.
2: And and Jupiter, yes, you're absolutely right. Jupiter's also in there, too. There's probably other people as well. Like, oftentimes... Bread. um Sam, <laughs> Eloise.
0: There's a lot of
2: Viking, because the Vikings then invaded at... I forgot if I can look up the year. But there are then these uh, figures that become sort of overlaid with Viking gods and heroes mm-hmm. and... So forth. So there's just all of this like layering and mixing.
1: So I did learn a new word that seems kind of relevant to this. euhemerism.
2: Euhemerism. Yeah.
1: Euhemarism. This is the process of real things becoming mythologies or being assumed to become from mythologies. It could be like a folklore fallacy where you just assume that mm-hmm. everything is based on a historical instance and it's just been mistranslated over years. Or it could be a real thing, like a king becoming a spirit, which happens sometimes in Mesopotamia.
2: So, okay, so, like, maybe this isn't accurate, but would, like, King Arthur be one of those things? Because it's unclear, like, there probably was a real king that he was based on, but the mythology kind of took over. But then also, they just keep kind of rolling along. Well,
1: I think that he might have made the model for it, where Mm. you, you then assume that, like, every weird pagan king story is based on a real person. Mm. Like, you'd be Mm -hmm. assuming at that point that Anwen was based on a real, a real, like, king who had a bridge or something like that in his backyard. I don't know. But, like, Mm. that seems like the reason you might have euhemerism was the kind of strange collision of fact and fiction with Arthur. Arthur.
2: Okay. So, Jesus? (laughs) Does Jesus apply here?
1: Am I going to have to cut that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) fair okay so one of the things that's important to us here today though is that the Gauls divided the universe into three parts there's albios which is the white considered like the upper the upper world the white world exactly and maybe you know if you want to call it heaven you can but it's not really bitu which is the world of living beings and dubna which is kind of the lower world or the dark world Which, again, is sort of falsely connected to hell.
1: Usually it's a nice place in Celtic mythology. Like, the land of the dead is not bad at all. It's kind of cheerful.
2: Yeah. And as a matter of fact, like, just going through these quickly, because I couldn't find just in the time I had a whole lot of information about them, but I did find one book that kind of gave, like, an overview, a very sort of, like floaty <laughs> overview of these things and sort of the philosophy behind them. And this book is called The World of the Gauls, Foundations of a Celtic Philosophy by Anton Bosquet. And so from this he he uses the cauldron of Gundestrapp, which is the most detailed and explicit representation of the Gaulish pantheon as kind of like a touch point throughout how to talk about the the worlds and the different figures in those worlds. But Again, Dubna, if we want to start from the bottom, Dubness is, as you said, not necessarily a bad place. Like it's associated with, of course, deepness and darkness and mystery, and it's below the realm of living, the living beings, but it's more of a womb than an inferno. Hmm. So it's actually like kind of the place before life begins. So
1: that's the cycle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So
2: it's kind of connected to fertility and um, again, connected to Carano, so he's kind of the the figure that shows up here specifically in different art, um, like on altars, where he is the his horns are actually holding up the earth. So he's kind of like this figure of of um, kind of keeping the world afloat.
1: He's got the whole world in his horns. In
2: his horns, he's got the mm. whole wide mm. world. Is
0: this reincarnation? Is it the womb you... Like, is it part of reincarnation theory or no? Is this a different womb? I
2: believe it is. I believe it's a reincarnation womb. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like you go and you kind of like... It's restorative. And it is sort of just the place where you are until you become... Until you move back up to... And it's like quiet. There's sort of like... um it's it's a it's a it's a, a unseen like it's a it's a place of no seeing. Mm. So you're just kind of inert, but that could be a very that doesn't have to be an unpleasant thing. Yeah. So the antler thing also, Caranos also has this whole cyclical thing of the seasons with the shedding of the antlers. So at some point he just has the little horns, Aww. and you know, so it's just kind of the cycle of seasons and the cycle of life in this realm
1: and that takes us to the little horn in the book of revelations.
2: Yes, it does. So I think that could be a place where there might have been the association with hell later because of the whole, because of karnos.
1: Oh, I was I was kidding, but we'll burn that bridge soon.
2: But and also snakes are part of this like like figures associated with him. Snakes are 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 one, especially a horned snake, a snake with a ram's head. So again, ah! yeah so again, this kind of like imagery that doesn't necessarily in the Celtic world have demonic impact or you know resonances becomes that later. take a minute mm-hmm.
0: and imagine yeah. a ram which can unhinge its jaws to swallow its prey. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: But also here again, Keranos associated with Pluto, mineral because Pluto also is a god of wealth and mineral wealth specifically, and also Susilos as kind of the provisioning, like this is the nutritive earth. So Bitu, uh, which is the intermediate realm, that's the realm of existence, but not necessarily life. So it doesn't necessarily just mean hmm. humans. Um, but this is the realm associated with blood and dusk and dawn. And it's kind of a realm of possibility. Things like, you know, the blood of life, war, sacrifice. These are not necessarily negative things, but instead, you know, sacrifice was a way to exalt (laughs) souls to get them to the next realm. Like you're, you're, you're pacifying the gods so that you will be able to move to the next realm. And also so that you'll be able to survive. So this is also the the world, and specifically on the cauldron of Gundestrop, the world of the threefold death, which is... That sounds kind of alarming. <laughs> yes, it's an execution of a man three ways. Ouch. Um, and not only three ways, but consecutively to honor three gods. So you're kind of killing... You're, you're appeasing three gods with... Yeah,
1: first there's the social death, and three then... Three deaths.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, on the um, cauldron of Gunnistrop, there's a representation of a sacrifice and kind of the rejuvenation of life due to that sacrifice is represented by trees. Hmm. So, you have an oak tree, which is the, the life that comes from death, and a yew tree, which is the old dying tree that feeds the life of the oak tree. So you have this kind of cyclical thing happening. So the last place is Albios, and that is the lo- the world of the lofty and bright ideas and understanding. So lofty meaning closer to the divine, opposite of the deep.
1: Is this informed by the Greeks? It sounds like Plato.
2: It's very similar, because there is some Greek influence in the Gaul in for yeah, there could for be. Sure. But interestingly, like, you think this might be sort of a heavenly place, bright, weightless, opposition of night, world of the metaphysical versus the physical. But the god associated with the lofty aspect of Albios is Tyrannus, who is the god of chaos. Mm. So he's often shown with a wheel uh, on the Cauldron of Gundestrop. He's shown with a wheel but he could be thunder, or it could represent the thun- the sun. He also is often seen with lightning bolts that he throws down just randomly mm-hmm. <laughs> into the into Bichu just to freak people out. So he also could be Zeus, generally taking his wrath out on the earth. And another fun fact: the way you honor him is through the wicker man. Oh, dun dun dun,
1: and that's a cocktail, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's going to be next week's cocktail. We're going to have a, a Wicker Man cocktail. Okay. So, yeah, again, another place where birds carry flesh of the soul, flesh and the soul to the sky. Yeah. So that that's the Gauls. And again, showing just kind of this interesting mix of mythologies. So, yeah. So I think we can stop here with the other worlds, unless anybody has anything else that they're... I
1: think we'll be pick- picking it up for a few episodes yet.
2: Yeah, because we have a lot more to say. And, and uh, next time we're going to get into the m- more of the interesting critters and gods and demons that inhabit the Celtic world and both bestow blessings and mischief on its denizens. I look forward to but, this. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. But I will say we're going to go on vacation for a week.
0: Maybe eight days.
2: Roughly, yeah. Forty
1: days.
2: (laughs) So we will not have an episode on March 20th.
1: That sounds about right.
2: We'll probably have one the next week. Yeah, but we'll be back. We'll be back back. with more of the Celtic world. Just you wait.
1: Rested and confused.
2: Mm -hmm, Exactly. I know, the Celtic world is, it's just, there's a lot of stuff, man.
0: Well, thanks for joining us on this first of our two-part trilogy in the Celtic Underworld. We,
2: we, <laughs> <laughs> we do that a lot. <laughs> Mass. Almost
0: made it through that line with a straight face. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for subscribing. It's free. It really helps us out a lot. We appreciate you checking us out on dispatch.ist. Check out our Instagram curated by Vuka herself, which is at Dispatchist underscore podcast. I'm going to be posting screenshots of this podcast to our Facebook group, which is Jacob. Facebook.
2: <laughs> the dispatches. let's talk about hell Oh, okay
0: <laughs> If you have any comments, Do you want to say anything Tweet us directly at The Dispatchist And I would like to say thank you We'll see you in hell Toodles
2: Thank you Wait, what's Celtic for goodbye? Slant Like there's different slants for different Different goodbyes that you want to say Different slons angles of slant like, sl- I think Slanawala is goodbye till later, but you can also just say Slan. Slant. Slant. Slantia. <laughs> and Slantia is cheers. <laughs> so Slantia and slan. It's
0: goodbye to this whiskey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its creative commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.
2: Honestly, if mm-hmm. you're going to Ireland, just take your
0: Android phone and be like, "Hey, Google, how do I say?" And you're fine. And Google
1: says, "I don't know. It has too many H's in it."
2: Can you oh God) <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, How do you say? Are we done? Are we done, Google? <laughs> Thank okay. you.